like to articulate with Steve McJones. You ready for a, a fresh new episode, Hot Out the Oven? <laughs> this week I got Everton Johnson, uh, one of my buddies that I met during stand-up, actually, which is also the reason that I haven't been posting as frequently. You know, you got the stand-up, and then you got the work life, and then you got the groceries, and then the social life, and then throw a podcast on top of the whole thing, and you know, it's just, things just gonna take some time, you know, and I'm also still trying to meet a lot of people, but, um, but yeah, Everton, uh, when I met him out doing, uh, a two street, like we talk about, he just has so much energy, and I mean, think of all those things, you know, all the lives you gotta live to do all these things and feel productive, um, and then, you know, I, it just takes so much energy, which is why I really enjoy, um, being around Ev, because he's got that, uh, you know, he's very charismatic and he's got that energy, which is kind of transferable um, through personalities a little bit. And uh, and yeah, I mean, he also is a very um, in-depth thinker about about his, um, you know, progression in life and kind of moving forward. So uh, I was really fortunate to have him uh, accept to be on and uh, to come talk about, you know, being freshman in stand-up comedy. Uh, we have a really great conversation um, for comedians who are starting out, and um, I think it's you know beneficial for other comedians who want to see what starting out is like as well. But also, I think people, it's interesting to see stand up as an actual industry as itself, as opposed to like anytime I tell somebody I do stand up, they're like, oh, so you're gonna be famous one day, right? And it's like, I mean, it's just like any other industry. I mean, it, it really just depends on how much time and energy you put into it. So I think it, it, this conversation kind of helps it make it seem more real worldly and, you know, hopefully help people relate to it a little bit. So, yeah, without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, Everton Johnson. How you doing today, sir? Really, really, really well, man. Thanks for dropping in. How's it going for you? I'm doing well, doing well. I had a wonderful July 4th weekend and I am uh, ready to get back into it, to be honest. Ready to get back into that routine. Start really? doing the stand-up again, bro. What'd you get into this weekend? <sighs> Lots of fireworks. Lots of drugs. Lots of alcohol. <laughs> drugs and alcohol. Damn, son. <laughs> right to it on America's Day. Yeah. America's Day. How else are you supposed to celebrate, bro? I know. Well, I mean, I don't know about that shit. I'm not like you people, bro. I actually had my anniversary this year, uh, weekend. Oh, yeah? Your mm-hmm. anniversary with, with who? With who? With the Lord. <laughs> I've been a minister for three years now. Is that true? Yeah, bro. Oh, well, yeah, bro. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Three Thank years. you. Yeah. For a little respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, all right, so we're here today to talk about some stand-up, bro. That's how we met, right? We met at Two Street, Two Street, Second and Reed, a beautiful dive bar that lets us do our thing up there every Tuesday night. I love that place, man. Great spot. And uh, me and Ev just kind of, like, got into it, started talking. He's got so much energy. I love it. He works with me on uh, some jokes and... Uh, yeah, had to get him on. Had to get him on to talk about it. Because, freshman in comedy. Yeah, freshman in comedy. Exactly. So that's what kind of what I wanted to talk about because getting into it, like I have not seen. I mean, you were telling me about Kevin Hart's podcast a little bit with uh, where they talk about comedy, but yeah. I haven't seen many or at least been recommended any for starting comedians to like listen to for advice or kind of like see how the journey goes for a lot of people. You know what I mean? I mean, like I get that. Uh, you got to look for them. But like also right, like right, exactly. also though comedy's like comedy's about the streets, bro. And I feel like the streets, streets has never been that book version of things, you know. That that's knowing true. knowing this how it goes, like that's school. Like school, you you get lessons and you study and then you take a test. In the mm-hmm. streets, you take a test and you're supposed to take your lessons and study from those things. Yeah. And so I appreciate this art form 
from other art forms I got involved with because this one is really about uh, the soul, you know, and really saying, like, how can you roll with the punches? Yeah. And I think that, like, the current system, it weeds out with the weaker people, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and see, that's, again, like, I'm still, I just got out of school, so I'm still, like, in that mindset where I'm trying to, like, do the, do everything by the book and try to, like, kind of uh, build from a lesson lucky structure. Yeah, but. lucky enough, I've always been both, you know? Lucky enough, I grew up in Camden, that just, like, connects right across from Ben Franklin. And both of my parents, they never went to school. And so we always used to do a bunch of street stuff. And you have to do a bunch of street stuff while you're out there. Mm -hmm. But I also went to all my schools. So I went to a private school in high school, went to a Catholic school. Then I went to small liberal arts school to do my degrees in in Jersey, you know? Okay. So so, is that where you kind of started your interest in stand-up specifically? Or I had always been interested in stand-up. Not going to lie, I've always watched stand-up stuff. I remember when I was young, because I always had friends who were older than me. And so I remember being like... In my tens, my boys had like the Dave Chappelle shit uh, to show on DVD box set, and so I would watch those and I would crack the fuck up. Yeah, and like I had been watching and I've been always watching it all throughout college. I'd always watch tons of different stand-ups. You know, I always watch Mitch Hedberg. I always watch Mike Birbiglia. Oh, I always yeah. watched like Hat Williams. I, I always okay. watch Earthquake. I always watch Patrice O'Neill stuff. And like it was until like this year when I was going through the pandemic that it just kept coming up. Mm-hmm. It just kept coming up. And then I was on the phone with my boy Christian, and I was like, oh, but, like, I'm nervous about it. He was like, I don't know why. You all people shouldn't be nervous. It almost seems like you're born to do it. (laughs) And I was like, all right, bro, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to see how it is. And so it was really, like, seeing a recent stand-up show and having two bits of advice really hit me where I was like, oh, I I took a girl at a date, too. I took her out to Punchline. Yeah, I took her out to Punchline to see some amateur shit on a Tuesday. And it was the same shit. I saw the way the girl was, like, got kind of impressed how it was, and I was like, oh, no, bitches like this. No, that's great, man. And, and so, and when somebody tells you you're born to do something, man, it's like, all right, well, at least I'm gonna try it out. Especially if like he knows you, I don't know who it was, but that's uh, that's when somebody tells you you got to do that. I mean, and that's kind of the reason I got into it too. Like growing up, people, you know, I was class clown of my class or whatever senior year, and like what people say, like my uh, review a lot of the times is like pretty funny, but also slightly offensive. Sure, <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah, that's a lot a of good, us get that, right? Yeah, I think that's a good line to cross. That's a comment that. I got a lot. And, like, I went to, like, a small liberal school and, like, was theater major there. And so these people are actually very conservative-minded people in a sense, in the, in the sense of they didn't really like other kind of ideologies, you know? Yeah. And so I often was cited as being, like, you know, too flagrant. Yeah, too dirty, bro. Too, like, you know, going too offensive. You know, why, <laughs> too why'd you have to say that like that? I mean, yeah, in comedy, I think, I think a lot of the point in comedy... So, for me, like starting out like yeah it helps when people are all telling you like you're pretty funny and you got that thing but like going back to it like even further like my dad was always that dad you know uh, at the dinner table just telling like stupid ass like long jokes that take like an hour to tell and it's just like a fart joke at the end or something like that you know and that was always something that was very like at the end of the day something that really stuck out to me was him always like you know he'd be putting me to bed and be like all right you got to you got to tell me, like, one thing that was funny that happened to you today. And that was, like, every day we'd be like, all right, you got you to get something funny. So I was like, it really just kind of took for me and, uh, and again, kind of rolled into my personality a little bit. And I like to imagine that I'm, I'm so deep. <laughs> I'm deep enough that I like to think back of, like, the oral history of stories being passed down from, like, 
you think about like the Odyssey and the Iliad and like Shakespeare, like those things were were passed down orally a lot of the time, and a lot of them have a lot of humor, <laughs> whether it's hidden like double entendres, you know, whether you notice it or not. But I think comedy is just very important in um, yeah, 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 in, in yeah. general. You can see, it. like I, I I can identify with the second half you said about these stories because yeah. I've always been to stories and I read those kind of stories like Iliad and Odyssey, like in middle school. Right. I just read them because I liked them, yeah. and when I was in like college like I, I did theater you know so we have four oh, we yeah, had two yeah. I had, you know two theater history classes we, we of course all throughout different classes had to study and read a bunch of that stuff Shakespeare stuff you know Milton stuff like stuff by like crazy you know just like you know, <laughs> August Wilson up and down like so many different people yeah. and like it's just as you said like you know it's a it's a rich rich uh, oral tradition a lot of times they get based off of but also in their times they were like actually having parties theater was a lot different back then when oh, Shakespeare yeah. was doing their shit people were drinking people were like you know talking they were flirting with each other they were like treating it more like a club club you know very active very raunchy and like the, the actors had to speak over all that you know and so like that was really crazy but no my, my family was a very serious family so like, okay they were not one of these like humorous people they were, <laughs> they were very like you know stoic people sure, and sure. so like hey, you know I, I felt a lot of times maybe a yearning to say i wish y'all laugh more you right, know? right do you have any siblings yeah i got siblings well i was gonna say i heard um i heard something like a lot a lot of the time i don't know if you're like oldest youngest like whatever but uh, i'm the youngest and i heard a lot of the time the youngest is the the funny one because they're always trying to break the tension <laughs> of like the seriousness of what's going on with the older siblings like fucking up or whatever you know yeah i was the youngest for a while i do have a little brother now but he's only 13 uh, and so for a lot of years i was like the youngest okay so it's yeah probably similar maybe yeah yeah, yeah maybe something to that for sure um, but yeah, and then I, I again, kind of went along the same path at, around high school time. I actually started with like, it was more of like YouTube videos and then Bo Burnham came into my life and then he... Oh, that guy is so crazy. He is wild. I, I mean, I cringe at a lot of his stuff now, <laughs> a lot of his older stuff, but so does he, so it makes me feel better. Um, this first song is called A World on Fire. Next song, it's a little bit, a little bit longer than that one. So yeah, Inside was like very, I think, for him, like progressing forward, I think it was a really good move for him because he was trying to disassociate with that like older kind of childish humor he was doing and move forward with more sophisticated stuff while still like touching on some of the, uh, the childish like kind of concepts that he had, I think. Yeah, you got to go through that. Like we wouldn't get him now without the, the version of him then. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it takes a while to find out, like, your real authentic, like, artistic voice, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and that's where, so, like, progressing forward, well, I guess, so, when when did you do stand-up for the first time? When was your first show? Um, uh, so, we're now in July, January, February, March, April. I think I did my first show in May, it must have been. Really? I think so. Oh, and I so didn't do a lot in May. Reason. I did it like towards the tail end of May or something like that. I know I did it at Punchline. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't do it again for like two or three weeks. Okay. I was just like visiting different spots, like skulking it out type stuff. Right, right. Yeah, seeing how the schedule was, seeing <laughs> how the flow was. Yeah, I got you. You know, I had a little bit of nervousness. <laughs> and I, I, I definitely, so I, my kind of journey with it is a little weird. So like, I started back, like, I want, I've been, since high school, kind of been into, so after Bill Burnham, I got into, like, Louie and Mike Birbigli and Tom Segura, like, yeah, all the, all great the, guys. yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> I, I knew I always wanted to try it, so as soon as I got into college, I was like, alright, this is when I'm gonna start, this is when I'm gonna start doing it, and, uh, I went and tried to look for some open mics in, uh, at Ohio University, 
And there was this one place called Donkey Cafe that I went. They had an open mic, and I go in on like a Tuesday. What year was this? My freshman year of college, okay. so 2017. Okay. I think, and uh, and I go in and I sit down and I walk in on like some girl telling a poem about how she was like brutally like abused or Classic something. college like, shit. Dude, Classic yeah. college shit. And I was, I was like, this is not where I need to be. And like, no. she gets off and everyone starts snapping like, for a dude. It's like an open, like, open mic for everybody, not just, that's like a variety show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so like, I felt very uncomfortable and I was like, not gonna go up and do anything. I didn't even really have anything planned. Like, I was just kind of scouting it out. Sure. But I had some ideas that were in my head. And then actually, so like, they were just doing, they didn't have a list or anything, which I thought they were just like, all right, who wants to go next? People would just like hop up there. And nobody went up like after the person that I went in and uh, somebody hopped up. She's like, yeah, I don't have anything like prepared, but I could tell some stories from like band camp or something, you know? And she like told some funny stories and like people were laughing with her. I'm like, okay, like, all right. Break the tension. Yeah. yeah and I was like, up a bit. yeah. And I was like, okay, like, I'm, I think I could, I could follow this up. I could try to follow this up. And uh, I actually ended up like hopping up there right after that, and uh, it was it, it was very interesting because it was not like not not like I said nothing was prepared. I just had like the bullet points in my head and kind of you know we get five minute sets now. I was probably up there for ten minutes just rambling on about wow. shit. Dude. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, not good. But I, I got laughs. I got the snaps. It gave me that little hope. But um, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to bring me back. I don't know what happened, but I kind of just lost it. I started working after that, too, and kind of, like, just got lost in the job. But then my summer after sophomore year, started going out in Cincinnati and did, like, five shows over the summer. But, like, I tell people, like, a Tuesday crowd in Cincinnati versus, like, a Tuesday crowd in Philly, you're going to have, like, five people in the Cincinnati crowd. Okay. And when you come to Philly on a Tuesday, you're at least going to have six. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> So it's, uh, you know, it's it's very different. So, like, coming out here, like, and I, I've, throughout high school and college, I've always written down little things that make me laugh or something that I think I could use for stand-up. But, yeah. And so it's really interesting to actually come out here, start doing it regularly, not just come up and do, like, a one-off thing or, like, a couple of things, but do it regularly, do the same jokes and actually work on them and pull from that well of, like, ideas that I had. So you said that you started doing it again, like, sophomore summer, and then were you doing them, like, sporadically throughout college, or did you, like, kind of slow down after that and didn't do them at all? Well, yeah, so I went back to school, and, they, again, I didn't have, like, any open mics, and I worked a lot during school, and then COVID hit, and I graduated my uh, junior year, so... Um, what did you major in? hospitality like it matters okay yeah i mean the I, the reason i majored in that is just because it's the easiest major you can get okay basically all the classes are like uh just be nice to people that's pretty much it customer service that's okay, the okay. what so, did you do for work while you were doing college uh that's i mean hospitality so i was like serving and bartending and okay you know, that's why i couldn't again like you, you do that during the nighttime. you can't do stand up when you're bartending sure, sure. on like yeah. friday night or something you know so yeah i um uh, so after that COVID hit and I actually started wanting to do it more, but I couldn't go out. And what I ended up doing was like printing out transcripts of like Dave Chappelle or like Louis C.K. and trying to start to like break it down by like the setup and like the punchline. Okay. Like okay. Kind of like, you know, get the back workings of it and see if I can apply that to what I'm going to start doing once everything, you know, once I moved out here and everything started open, open it back up. Um, but then I found out that, you know, after looking, breaking those down, it's like, oh, these guys are 
thousands of times like better than I will ever be you know what I mean it's both and it's both and because I think that like yo, know, we all kind of start off sounding like somebody else you know sounding like the people we admire whatever we like get into we get into it usually because someone modeled something that we thought was cool right and so like yo, know, it, it makes sense but at the same time like we don't realize we're all the time tracking that stuff at least I think a little bit that's how it was with me like all the time listening to those people like you, you know it like success leaves clues you know and even if you're a poor imitation if you're a poor imitation of somebody who's like the best and you're not doing that bad yeah know? yeah well and what's interesting back in the day so i started reading into like george carlin and richard Pryor and some of the older older comics mm -hmm. and they actually used to do each other's sets like when they would go up and like hey let me try your set tonight and be like yeah man try it out and like they would test it and like kind of see what the rhythm and flow of it was behind it and kind of work it you know at at their own angle, I guess, um, which is really interesting. Like now, actually going up regularly for a couple months now. Um, well, I'm curious. So, like, uh, you know, how did your first set go? Like, did you bomb completely, or you know? Like, no, it wasn't a complete bomb. Yeah, no, man. Yeah. I, my my first set was not that bad, man. Okay. I feel like I, it's not like they say it was like roaring laughter or anything like that. Sure, sure. But I, I feel like I got a decent amount of chuckles my first set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it then, was a nice crowd that day. And then, like, moving forward, so like. For me, again, like this far in, I've had a lot of like reconstruction with my content. So like the first time I went up, I was just telling like a story, you know, straight through and kind of like there were funny parts of the story, but I didn't have any timing to it. I didn't have any like actual like jokes that I fit in. It was just more about the story and like funny things that happen. You know what I mean? Um, whereas now, like I progress, it's like, all right, I need to have like a go-to punch, you know, like a go-to one-liner if I need it, you know what I mean? And then if that works, maybe build off of that, like grab people's attention with that and then kind of work through that, uh, you know, that structure a little bit. Have you, like, experienced anything like that? Or you kind of just cut out, you were telling me a little bit, because you have a similar style with your stories, I think, talking about uh, making it more efficient, right? That was definitely a thing, like a more wordy guy. And so, like, I feel like that was the feedback, especially from that first one um, that I did. And even the second one, especially the second one, I might actually say. But I just talked over the time. Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, yo, I thought, like, oh, five minutes is not enough to do the things that I'm doing. But then I thought about it again. And I think, like, it 100% is because you got to get tight. And so, like, I think, like, hey, man, there's, like, oftentimes when you go through something and how it went. And you just got to, like, chop stuff down. And I think it's natural for us because we watch so many other people do it. And that's something to think that's cool about the, the open mic structure as it is. Because, like, it forces us to see intermediate and, like, more expert level comedians come up. And, like, we see, like, look, I want to I want to get bigger reactions. Mm -hmm. And so, like, at the end of the day, like, it's about what I want. But it's also, like, fuck it. I see what works. And so, I'm like, yo, if I, if, I, if I own what it is, premises and punchlines, mm -hmm. then I'll get more of that reaction in the way I want to. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the goal, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's yeah, you gotta be very efficient with your words up there, man. Cause like, if you if you stray just like a little bit, you know, people are gonna start like looking at their beer, trying to get another drink, you know, talking with who they came with, kind of. And you really want to keep their attention that whole time because if they're listening, a lot of times, you know, we know we're funny, right? <laughs> you know, it just it just takes people, you know, listening and kind of hearing you out on what you think is funny i guess I it's say. both because i mean you say we know we funny but some people think they are but they're not doing as well as other people are doing you that's know? true and, and that's like true. You know, that's based on a, a, a couple of different things because it's, a lot of it goes into different stuff but i do think at the heart of it like performing is more about writing and i think that these people who are really really good at writing that shows you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so like kind of pivoting a little bit like i want to talk about people that 
do it like one time and then people that do it regularly you know what i mean because like going up that first time it can be a break or make or break moment for a lot of people i don't know if you've seen anybody like i had a guy i worked with that came out and was like watching the shows and i started doing it he's like you know what i want to i think i want to go up there and do it man and then uh and then when he like he was like the host was like hey man you're, you're going up next or something he's like he started freaking out you know what i mean he was just like dude my heart is beating i don't know if i can do this and he actually like left like he, sure. he done he, sure he quit but um some people go up there they do it once and they're like well you know i tried it <laughs> and then they they cut it out from there and it's just uh it, it it makes me feel a little bit better about myself because like it's like hey that's something that i can do that somebody can't but it also is it, it it's very interesting to see the different types of people that can and can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, Seinfeld has that joke, right? Like he he mentions that thing about like the fact that like a lot of people would rather chew off their own arm than speak in public. Right. And then he goes into that whole joke about this concept of like yeah, so that means that if you're at the funeral, if you're at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> you know, it's a big fear that a lot of public recognizes, and people see that as a sense of bravery, and that's something that's important to try to have. But at the same time, you realize that, like, bravery is only a measure about your personal self. And so you got to be careful because, like, you need to be comparing yourself against yourself because it's about where your comfort zone is. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, some people are okay doing certain things just by, it seems, genetics, you know? Like, they they just feel at ease doing certain activities. And so blessed are you to find something that you feel comfortable doing, you know? And I think that, like, that's what it calls for. Because for me, I was, I I think, pretty nervous. I would have done it sooner if I wasn't so nervous. But also I had years of doing, like, other kinds of performing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, that stuff helps, like, chill me out. And so, like, I'm like, oh, I can kind of understand a little bit because, like, I it, like I was doing, you know, almost seven years of theater before I even tried to do this kind of thing. Right. Um, and so, like, I feel like I, I, I sense it. And then there are people who say, like, cool, I'm going to try it. And I try it and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with the concept of, like, <laughs> trying something once. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've been saying to myself. A lot of times people ask me, I say, like, I'm, I'm seeing if I, it's something I enjoy. And I just feel like it's something that you enjoy. It takes more than one time to really get at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, for something like this, like, you, you got to do it 30 times. 40 times before you could really say like oh this is my flex you know mm-hmm. i can get into it because it's not just like the the reaction from stage it's like the whole lifestyle of it all oh yeah. you gotta realize that this is like real like gritty blue collar performing like yo, know, you can you can go a lot of years without making a lot of money and like you would be awake for a lot of hours and spend a lot of other hours just trying to keep up you know right. and like that's what it's like when it's like people go once because i'm like at that point for me i'm like i just want to keep up i want to keep up with the other freshmen you know i want to make sure i graduate right. and i think that like yo, you realize that if you skip class too much it's not going to happen that way yeah. And eventually all these other people, they're going to they're gonna go off to other opportunities and you're going to be working the circuit the same way mm-hmm. because, like, you weren't really trying to do it here and there. And mm-hmm. at that point, like, yeah, you should bail out, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing and, like, you only want people who really fuck with it to stay with it. Right, right. It, yeah, when I asked you, I was, you know, you, you were like, yeah, I'm, I always try something for, like, what you said, like, six months or something before I, like, really... I just pick a bunch of... I pick a unit that makes sense for whatever that thing is in my mind, you mm-hmm. know? And so I felt like for this, I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing it at least 40 times because mm-hmm. I feel like with six months, like, it goes back to that thing, like, if you only go up four or five, ten times with six months, you're not really getting to it. Right. You know? Right. And so, like, that's well, what... yeah, and I mean, you could see that, like, I knew that I was going to enjoy stand-up, but it took me some time to, like, work into it through over the years, you know, I came in and came out a little bit, and now that I'm here doing it regularly, like... I'm really starting to get that like kind of drive for it, you know, that kind of like that feel a little bit. When you when you work on jokes and you know they work, I think that and you have like a good set. I think that's what really drives me because then the next time you have a bad set, you're like, well, I need to work it back up so that it works again. You know what I mean? I need to figure out what I did wrong this time and figure out what I 
didn't do, you know, and then and put it together. That's it. And because I also, for, for in, in a way, like, I can't totally identify with whack niggas. I really can't, bro. Like, almost <laughs> almost every single time I do it, people give me a good reaction from it. Okay. And so I'm like, yo, like, and it's not just, like, the people who, like, pound you. Like, because I feel like people just like to be nice for sure. It tend to be, a, there's a, a healthy mix of people who literally just come up to me and say, like, you know, you're doing cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you got to also be getting positive reinforcement from what you're working on. Right. And if you're not, that can be frustrating, understandably, because I've been in other arenas where I haven't gotten it like that. And, like, it's been frustrating. And so I think you find out where you bail on what you want to bail at. But I also think that, like, if you learn from your past, you want to give yourself a fair shot at whatever your interest might be. Mm-hmm. And, like, yo, I really get to that, like, stand-up comedy is the heart of, like, making comedy. Okay. And so there's a lot of different kinds of ways of doing the public speaking thing, but to be funny is, like, the heart of it. And so there's a plenty of spin-off gigs. And I'm like, yo, those spin-off gigs will be easier to do if you cut your teeth here. And there's plenty of people who are not that good at stand-up who stick with it hard enough to learn how to write well. Oh, yeah. You know? And then they write all different types of things. Skits, movies, TV shows, like, plays. They, like, get into, like, you know, hosting all different kinds of ways. They MC yeah. in different versions of it. They get into corporate life. Then they do a bunch of corporate-based gigs. And they give, like, instruction. There's a lot of different ways to spin it off. Once you can start to make people beat a laugh on the rhythm that you want to make them laugh on. Yeah, well, and that's another thing that I wanted to bring up about kind of starting out. And I'm still very new to the idea of, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm scared of crowd work, basically. And that's something that I needed to dive into to get over. Um, but, like, so this week was the first time, this past week was the first time that I went twice during the week. I know you go five days a week, which, uh, I mean, hats off to you, but... Like, this is, you know, I, I don't have, I, I don't want to get into why, just because I, you know, I mean, you got a lot of energy, and I'm a very, you know, slow person sometimes, <laughs> you know, just kind of getting into it, but the, the point being, I went, I've been going to Two Street, which is a very, it's like a divey bar, they have a stage that you're up on, it's kind of darker, so, you know, you, you, when you go there on Tuesdays, pretty much, you get their attention pretty easily, people listen to you a little bit, and, you know, it's very, um, you can try things out, and, and, and and have it work or go off well or people know that you're trying it out whereas like i went to south house on wednesday and that place is so much different dude because that's like a, a restaurant right and they basically just move a table out of the way and put a microphone there so instead of like other comics and like kind of people like paying attention and listen to you try stuff out and like work work it out you got people that are like drunk as hell talking and having conversations and you really got to be able to like, you write about it you write about it yeah yeah you really got to like bring them in and like kind of like if you're if you're trying like a a joke that has a long setup you're going to lose half the room before you get to that punchline you know here's also like what runs through my mind about stuff like I have a little bit of a running joke, but also what I think is a solid hypothesis that like you get funnier the higher up you are from the audience. <laughs> and so I think that like elevation makes the humor. And I think at two street you get a stage and at least you're slightly above all the other people, so it's easier to get their attention. And at South House they put us level, like you said, they just push a table away. Right. And so like yeah, I think that like that's that's part of the whole like game of it all. Because I think that, like, you kind of say this thing about, like, crowd work. And I think, like, crowd work is a way of building confidence. And it's fun to get into it if it's your thing. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's also cool because in a way, I'm like, the higher up you get, the less you do crowd work. You know, crowd work works in the clubs. And they'll work in bars and restaurants at these open mics. Mm-hmm. But once you try to do theaters and try to do sketches, like, you're not going to be doing crowd work like that. You yeah, know? That's true. And so the higher up and the more, like, mass appeal you're trying to get, the less accessible you're going to be able to get at when this comes to this crowd work stuff. That's right. okay stuff about the clubs. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's also a way of, like, eating up time that I'm not too sure all the way is, like, 
uh, a, it's like a, it's a sophisticated way to go about using your time. Right. You know, because I think like I, I when I use it, I understand that I'm also filling up time. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, this happened to me last week. I thought like, oh, the set went okay. Like I got a fair amount of chuckles or whatever. But I had planned a lot more actual material to work on that I liked. And I didn't get to it because like it took me too long to get through the, the back and forth I was having with one of the audience members. And I think like, look, bro, it's only five. If you take up a minute doing it, like minute 30, I think people see like, yo, you're not doing a full five in material. You're doing this back and forth with an audience member. You know, well, um, I agree 100%. I understand that. Uh, there is something to be said for like, I've talked to some experienced comedians, and they're like, you know, you don't like you don't have to use that full five minutes if you don't want to, you know what I mean? You can go up there and try what you want and, and build it, you know, do what you're feeling, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be there for that. Full. And that was that's true, that's, that's true. a really good uh, experience, you know, like something that I learned from uh, an experienced comic around here. But yeah, so I also wanted to talk about, so I, I guess that's kind of like, you know, building on that and kind of working towards that. That's as far as I've gotten in the process um, with kind of working on my humor and kind of working and breaking down my writing process and kind of the style of the jokes I want to try out. But, you know, one thing I did want to talk about was just the experience at the, you know, that the people that come to the open mics regularly and people that you see come like every once in a while. Like, you get such a fun crowd. Like, you'll get people that are older, you know, unemployed doing stand-up. Yeah. Um, We had one week where some lady just showed her titties on stage. I wasn't there for that, but, like, yeah. yeah. But then the next week we had, like, a dude kind of wander in that was on some sort of drugs and, like, you know, almost got in a fight with him. I was there for that. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. If, uh, do you have any funny stories specifically of like uh, any open mics that you've been to that had like anything wild happen? Um. Wow. I. I. Uh. I guess. I guess. I guess you named the main one. You know. I think, I think about that. Uh, that homeless guy coming through. Um. Yeah, when we're out south, like yeah, those those are the places that like those kind of things end up happening for some reason. <laughs> but like a punchline that doesn't go down that way. Uh, and so like, yeah, no, I think that like, I, I, I can't say I have. And like, so far I've done about 19 shows. Okay. Would you like to tell that story of that thing that happened after uh, Raven that one time where you like went out with those people? <laughs> right now, I could well, cut this out. But... Wait, like what story after I went out with Raven? Where you got like hooked up with some drug dealers. Oh, 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 that is kind of funny. You're right, yeah. you're right, you're right, you're right. Because like I, uh, <laughs> I was outside of Raven's just like kicking it the way people do across the street from Raven's. And like I was somewhat in this conversation. No, no, here, here's what happened. Like there was some tall guy there who like was like, yo man, I'm going to go over there and like talk to these girls you want to come with me and i was like all right cool no problems real quick real quick can we give a little background of raven <laughs> what the fuck raven is dude i mean raven is just a legendary open mic spot man it's they might a be burlesque place dude it's sticky in there one of the comedians has a joke about doing crack cocaine in the in the bathroom sure 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 but again that's the underbelly man that's the real heart of most things and i think that like for one i give them first and foremost props for being such a long-running open mic and supporting amateur comedians in philly for so long and so consistently and giving them a spot two nights a week, bro, mm-hmm. to do their stuff. And, like, yeah, I think that, like, all the rest of that stuff is true, but big up to all the hosts there that, like, y'all have been able to make that happen so consistently and give us a place to be raw, bro, because there's a lot of places where you feel like you can't say whatever. But in Ravens, people feel comfortable saying whatever. And that's really how you get to your funny, you <laughs> yeah. know? And so I think that that's the place where people are like, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to throw out those words that maybe they, they think they're going to get canceled for in other places, you know? Yeah, that's um, a good point. And so, like, much love to them and, like, 
yeah, y'all can y'all can go ahead and take a mop to that place more often. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but I think that like yeah, Ravens is this multi level spot where one level is comedy, other levels are dancing and drinking and hanging out, and you can meet all different types of people in the heart of the city. You including know, including this tall gentleman. Yeah, you- yeah, right. <laughs> and so we were talking. I forget what we were even talking about, but like this is one of those things that should happen. Like I'm just in the back. He was vaping. I was vaping, chilling with him, and we went outside. He bought me like browns. All right, cool, man. We went to go kick it, and he like like mentions to this girl. And, like, this girl's, like, playing with her knife. And he's, like, talking to her about, like, yo, what's going on with this knife? And she's like, yeah, I'd rather have a knife than a gun or whatever. And she's just got one other girl. Clearly, the other girl's the leader one. And, like, <laughs> the um, the, she was shorter slightly. Yeah. Uh, and, like, um, you know, so they're showing each other this knife tricks. I'm, like, talking to the other person. This guy goes away. And another guy comes up who's, like, a black guy with dreads. And he's got a camera. I thought he was working this event. But he said, like, no, nah, he just came here with the camera from, I guess, some other thing. All right, cool, bro. Um, and so, like, we actually end up talking until, like, one thirty, two in the morning. And these girls are crazy because the leader one was coming at me like, yo, man, if you really want to get with these millennial chicks, you got to, like, get them to believe that you'll suck dick. And I, yeah, bro. And I was like, I don't know if that's true, man. He's like, nah, just tell them that you've, like, done three ways with, like, guys before and shit like that. And I was like, mm, I don't know, man. And she was like. 23 i think and then the you know the sidekick taller one was like 26 or some shit like that um and so like it's two o'clock now raven's closed they call a lift and they ask us when to come back with them all right cool yeah we'll come back no problem and so we drive to some place i think it's in south philly actually and while we get there and there's some girl like bawling her eyes out in front of their place and this girl's bawling her eyes out because of some like relationship shit like her and her girlfriend are going through whatever and so like the alpha one and like the the dreads guy stay downstairs to like consult her a bit and me and the sidekick one whose apartment it was went upstairs and like the moment you get up there first of all you walk through like what feels like really musty you just immediately get heavy when you walk in there and then you walk up a flight and then you walk up, like, a spiral staircase made of aluminum. I don't know, why, like, why it was like this. It was, like, I don't know, very fancy for what was going on. Yeah. And the first thing you see are, like, stacks of magazines, all gnats and fruit flies throughout the whole thing. Ooh. And when you clear that shit out the way, there's just a stripper pole going straight down the middle. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, man, I've been a stripper since I was 14. And I was like, oh, wild. And she really does hop on that pole and, like, fucking puts on a crazy-ass couple moves. Like, she's very oh, expert at this shit. Yeah. And the right, there's just, like, huge-ass cage with one single pigeon in it. A pigeon? And, yeah, bro. <laughs> it's her pet. And she's like, yeah, well, later on, if you want, I'll let him out. And if he flies on your shoulder, it's good luck. <laughs> oh, shit. Shit people say when they're white. <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, eventually the other two come up and we're, like, smoking weed, chilling. Like, they didn't have any papers. We, like, rolled up some book. They have the fanciest books I've seen, like, in a while. Like, I read those kind of books, but, like, for these kind of people, I'm like, they got, like, Dostoevsky in there. Like, they have, like, very complicated, like, Plato, Socrates. Like, oh, wow. these people are reading very complex material. And they're, like, talking to me about it. Like, they really actually wrote them shits. Oh, shit. Um, and then, so, eventually, she pulls out a guitar. And, like, we end up just, like, beatboxing. And she's, like, playing the guitar and singing. And, like, we do it out to, like, 3.34 in the morning, bro. That before like, I, like, piece the fuck out you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it, it went straight like that we didn't even hook up with them chicks we just like chatted and fucking fucking around with like music shit and yeah. like, shot the shit on random issues one of these girls were being very aggressive aggressive with me about black rights issues but i uh, guess ew. maybe whatever Ugh, you know <laughs> she's trying to tell me about this and tell me about that like i don't fucking know <laughs> all i know is i'm right yeah right i've never been fucking wrong before yeah yeah and that's yeah and that's really 
what I love about the city so far is just the fucking messes and adventures you can get into, dude. Like, try like as long as you don't judge people right off the bat, like you can get into any sort of fucking. I, nah, but you also got to come correct, bro. I feel like y'all coming through a little too too friendly, bro. Y'all got this vibe of being too nice. I feel like that shit with the Lyft drivers, bro. Like I was like, yo, that's yeah. If you if you a Philly, you can't be letting people just punk you randomly, son. I feel like you would get way of patches, but they want to know that you tough. They don't want to know that you can hang, bro. Yeah. And so I feel like they kind of rude out here. I'm not gonna lie, but I get in fights out in Philly, bro. Like Philly's a rude place. <laughs> no, for real. You like you coming through very aggressively to me, son. <laughs> I need to put on. Yeah, I mean, I'm from like the Midwest, the nicest place on earth, dude. Where like I was talking to you about like sidewalk etiquette, bro. Like in the Midwest, you 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 walk by somebody, you gotta say like howdy. You know, like the whitest thing. Oh, you guys literally say howdy out there. Uh, this, sometimes, well, you gotta be like, hey, how's it going? Or like, but, what's like bro, up? Do you, what was the last time you said howdy sincerely, bro? My dad says it every bro, time. When did you say howdy sincerely, bro? <laughs> Why are you trying to tell me about? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Well, I I, go, I went to that more as like a joke, but All like right, cool. Yeah. So you don't be saying howdy, huh? No, not right, just checking. Not bro. sincerely. Yeah. I know, bro. It's I a know. fun word though. I don't, I don't know. I so wish I could throw it in. Sociologist, bro. I'm curious. I wish I. I could. I've never been to the Midwest before. Yeah, yeah, no. I think farther south, I, Kentucky, they definitely say it a lot more. I have a sure. friend from Kentucky, actually. Yeah. She's really cool. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're nice people. It's just they got these. I mean, I met one out of fucking, I don't know what I assume is millions. I don't know how many <laughs> Kentuckians there are. But I'm not going to tell them they're nice people and shit. Yeah. I got one friend, and she's definitely nice. The rest of y'all questionable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but anyways, like walking around over here, you gotta make sure you like keep your head down. Like you, or sometimes you're just like kind of like be unbothered on face. Like I need to put on that tough skin, like as opposed from, uh, like I said, like all the nice people. Yeah, people just want to know, you know. So I feel like they do a lot of flexing, and I feel like it's not always oh we gotta escalate, Mm -hmm. but they're used to like talking in what other places might perceive as like more aggressive, you know. Mm -hmm. And like my family's Jamaican, so I kind of get that whole vibe. (laughs) Other people come here and they think like oh you're being this way. I'm like no, this is just my Philly self, right? Because you gotta understand, you gotta get these done. I don't got time to like be fucking stopping and have long back and forth with every random person who thinks I'm a punk, you know? Yeah, no, and uh, that's uh, one of the reasons I moved out here is because like people said it they're they're very rude and brash but i'm like but that's them being true and that's them you know like living their lives you know what i mean they're not trying to fuck around and you know waste people's time or anything like that so i, I get that so yeah they gotta know if you're gonna call the police all right yeah you know, they gotta know that <laughs> early in our relationships exactly all right so so moving forward what you what you got planned i mean how you've been doing it for a while now you, you thinking about doing it for another few months or yeah, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I've done 19 so far. So I figured maybe I, I try to get myself to a 40. Maybe I try to get myself to a 40. To a 40. We'll see how it goes, man. Because I think, like, uh, also what I was kind of saying earlier, like, I, I think I don't want to lose sight of the real game here. And I, I'm, I a little bit sometimes feel like I get caught up in the lifestyle a bit. And the lifestyle is so young for me already. But, like, I'm just such a, a like, an energetic dude, you yeah. know. And I think the reason why I really got into the game is to see if I could become more funny. You know, and the way to become more funny on stage, mostly, you know, it's, it's a lot of getting on stage, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of like putting the time in the right oh, yeah. and to do what you said, like actually do the structure stuff, mm-hmm. because that's going to judge whether or not you can get gig gigs. Right. And so I think like, hey, like uh, a performing job is really a writing job and like a job is still a job. And so yeah. if I can't find a way to put 
two or three hours a day into my schedule when I'm really trying to whip it, then, like, I'm, I'm not trying to do this just so I have a place that, like, hang out and make buddies. Like, yeah, like, I kind of, like, you, you were mentioning with these people who come and drop in one or two times. I think there's also people who come around here fairly often, but they're here just to, like, make friends and socialize. And so they want the whole, the, the being funny part to come easy. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, oh, that's fine and well and good, but, like, that's not why I'm really trying to get into it. Sure. It's fine to make all these cool people, but for real, I'm like, oh, like, can I get good enough at being funny to make this, like, a thing that I don't have to, like... Yo, not get paid, but right. you know, yeah, you know, yeah. I want to do something I can step away from other gigs and make a fair amount of thing and like move around and see more of the, the see more of the country, see more of the world. Absolutely, absolutely, dude. Can you imagine doing like stand up in a room full of people who don't speak your language? <laughs> I I do think about yeah, it. You know, I think about the idea of even learning because Tom Segura mentions that shit too. Oh, like yeah. he does full Spanish shows. Oh you know? yeah, which would yeah, that's impressive. But uh... and then George Lopez goats in the game. Like some of these people could do it in both. I'm like yo, over a month, a certain amount of time. Like yeah, I would love to learn comedic timing in another language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear, man. And like that's what I mean. The, another reason I like hanging out with you is very. Uh, you got that energy. You got that that head. You know, you like kind of the head towards a goal, a direction, like working on yourself in the game. And if it doesn't work out, not losing sight of what you, you know, what your end result is, I suppose. So, I mean, uh, I appreciate you coming out here to talk about stand-up with me, man. You got any, like, shouts out or anything you, you want to throw on the end here? <laughs> no, no, man, no, this is a really good conversation. I appreciate it for sure, bro. Yeah, yeah. Now, shouts out to you for putting the time together. Hell yeah. Another episode in the books. Um... <laughs> Uh, one thing before I let y'all go, I just did want to kind of say, you know, I think personally, it, it, yes, stand-up comedy is about routine and how, how often you do it, how many reps you get in. Um, I was actually just talking with a comedian last Wednesday about how he even compared it to like the Kobe video where he's just like, I work out for two hours in the morning, then I take a break and then two hours here, two hours there. Then by the end of the week, I've worked out like 30 more times than you have while you're just working out once every day. So definitely makes sense. But I think there is something to be said for everybody's learning style too. Like um, you're, you're an individual. So yes, you need to get those reps in. But I think there are other, the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast in the first place was because it, it really helps me to think about how other comedians break it down actually um so you know there's just something to be said for that and um in in general there's a a lot of different ways to come at anything that you're doing and stand-up is no different than that so i hope you learned a lot i hope you (laughs) had fun listening and um i appreciate you coming back if if this is your first time welcome uh follow me on instagram at Steve McJay. That's where I post most of the promotions. Thanks again, Everton, for coming out and recording with me. And uh, I hope you all have a great week. Thank you so much. I love you, man. Okay, bye. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Ah, ha, ah, ha. Give me that.